Welcome to the LLMC Sermon Series, where powerful messages from our missional discipling church will inspire and guide your spiritual journey. Join us as we explore the Word of God together, delving into topics that matter to your life. Whether you're seeking answers or seeking to deepen your faith, this podcast is your spiritual sanctuary. Experience the joy of community and connection as we learn, grow, and transform through the teachings of LLMC. Subscribe now, and let's embark on this transformative journey together. We're going to be talking for the rest of the month about enough is enough. All right? These key words, practicing gratitude, contentment, and thanksgiving. Now, I want to share with you up front that preaching this sermon today means that I had to really work at my concept of contentment. As you're entering into the holidays... Contentment is not one of the strong words that I would recommend stating as our culture's iconic measurement. Correct? Like, like even, like, it's so funny to me, and, and it's really stupid in my opinion, so I'm just going to call it out. People are actually getting mad at other people. And if you do this, I'm sorry. This is just a personal opinion. But, like, the right time to put up Christmas decorations. I didn't know there was a rule. I've been in some people's houses, Christmas is all year round in one room, you know? But it's fascinating on social media, people are going back and forth, not yet, this is when we do that, and it's so funny to me that people actually get worked up over when someone puts up Christmas decorations. To me, that's silly. Who cares? If you do care, we can talk later. You have issues with contentment. So anyway... No, but seriously, like, I, I want to share that with you because as we roll into this season, enough is enough around Thanksgiving and so forth. I watch even myself. Like, it's so easy to not be content. And this week coming into this sermon, I'm like, man, if I got a coach on contentment to the church and talk about Jesus and contentment, I better work on this myself because, you know, like, let's face it. If I stood up here and told you all how to get healthy and lose weight, you wouldn't listen to me too much. Because, you know, I struggle a little there. So I say that because as a pastor, a lot of times we've got to be the ones hitting the gym spiritually to make sure that we can talk about this. Otherwise, it's just fluffing stuff, and I'm talking in theoreticals and hypotheticals and not in practical terms. Does that make sense? So if any of you think you've got contentment and enough is enough underway, you're more than welcome to preach next week um, because I didn't like some of the workout I had to do this week. But seriously, let's get into this. Let's dig in. So the text this morning is going to be Luke 3, 10 to 14 and Hebrews 13, 5. We can be content in Christ. This is the big idea this morning. Your contentment comes from Jesus. That's it. It's that easy. Everything we talk about this morning, your pure contentment about anything in life has to start and be in Jesus. Everything else is meaningless. Your monkey sphere needs to be content with Jesus. Not whether your boss talked to you nice this week or your spouse folded the towels properly. I don't fold towels in my house. There's a reasons why. That was a joke. You can laugh a little more. There you go. See, see, see what I'm saying here? Like, Jesus is enough. 
The application, we don't have to continually seek after the latest, greatest thing. Instead, we should seek Christ, and he will satisfy our desires. I'm going to read that again, because I don't think this is something that American Christians do well. And even myself, I will wrestle with this. We don't have to continually seek after the latest, greatest thing. Instead, we should seek Christ, and he will satisfy our desires. And I chose this graphic. I said chose, right? That was good. Uh, contentment is a choice. You choose Jesus. You choose contentment. Contentment isn't this magical thing that comes down out of the sky like fairy dust. And all of a sudden, in the middle of all the chaos and wonderment of your world, and now you're like, oh, I am content. Namaste. Right? It doesn't work that way. Contentment, you choose it. And thus, by choosing contentment, you will get that through Christ. There was this song, um, and it was back, I think it was like the 90s when they had it. I don't want to share it. I'm not going to play it or anything like that. You can go look it up. It's, um, it's by the band Fountains of Wayne. It was called Someone to Love. Anybody ever hear Fountains of Wayne? They were like the most, in my opinion, one of the most underrated pop bands during that time period. But I want to read the lyrics to you because it's about this woman and this man. And I believe it captures our culture. And I'm just going to read some excerpts. It says, Seth Shapiro got his law degree. He moved to Brooklyn from Schenectady in 93. Got some clients in the food industry. He says it's not the money, it's the recipes. He calls his mom, says he's doing fine. She's got somebody on the other line. Puts Coldplay on, pours a glass of wine, curls up with a book about organized crime. When it's late and it's hot, and a date with the late show's all you got, don't give out, don't give up. One of these nights, you might find someone to love. Now, in the video, he's dancing around, trying to make his life look happy, but he's not. Then it cuts to the gal. Beth McKenzie got the job of her dreams, retouching photos for a magazine aimed at teens. It's Thursday night, she should be out on the scene, but she's sitting at home watching King of Queens. There's something wrong that she can't describe. She takes the contacts out of her eyes, sets the alarm for 6.45 so she can get a little exercise. When it's late and it's hot, an hour in the shower is the best that you got. Don't give out, don't give up. One of these nights, you might find someone to love. And you're not the only one who's lonely. Now, it cuts, so they were both in their apartments. Here they live in the same apartment building. And they come out, and you're getting excited when you're watching a video because the two are now crossing paths in front of the taxi cab. And he's sitting there struggling with the umbrella. And all of a sudden, she walks up, and the cab's there, and she taps on the glass and hops in the cab, and he turns, and he realizes he's missing the cab. And they look, and it says like this, Seth Shapiro, Shapiro is drying in vain to hail a taxi in the morning in the pouring rain. Beth McKenzie sees one just up ahead. She cuts in front of him and leaves him for dead. You thought at that moment they were going to find that love. You thought it was going to be this happy ending song. And instead the taxi drives off. He's all upset. And it's comical, but that's the reality of life, right? So often in America, we're told to chase after these things, whether it's relationships, stuff, whatever. We could go through the list. It's going to make us feel love. Right? I mean, does this make sense what I'm saying here? Are you all with me? 
This is our society. We are constantly getting messages, better car, better clothes, better food. I mean, it is crazy. If you haven't stopped and actually analyzed the media that's coming at you, pause and watch commercials and how they want you to buy. It's fascinating when we look at advertising and we look at this concept. And see, Jesus, Jesus has his whole other way. Like, the following Jesus way has nothing to do with worldly contentment. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 3, 10 to 15. This is, in my opinion, in America, I would, I don't, I'm not sure how to, so he's talking with tax collectors here and, and, and soldiers, and the, the verses we get, you'll see it's about extorting money and stuff. I guess that would be our modern day mafia. Right? Like, I, don't, I haven't met anyone that extorts money lately, so I'm not really sure who does that in our culture today. Um, but tax collectors and, and soldiers were the ticket then. And it said, what should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts, share with the one. And the one who has none and anyone who has food, do the same. Even tax collectors come to be baptized, teacher, they asked. What should we do? Now, as John the Baptist is teaching this, this is where it gets fascinating. Don't collect any more than you require to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering if their hearts, if John might possibly be the Messiah. So here's John the Baptist teaching this stuff that Jesus was all about, right? And it's there in this moment And as we engage this, we see this process of this whole thing about money. And I think what's most important out of this is that we understand that there's this concept of contentment there. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, forsake you. Hebrews 13.5. All right. Now, when we look at these passages together... And we start to see this one word. And I know, listen, I'll be up front. I'm not a big studier of Hebrew. I don't know all the linguistic things about Hebrew. Probably Sam Smucker knows more about linguistics than I do. I'm not a grammar guy. Like, that's not me. I was fascinated last Sunday. I always am by Wycliffe and Jars and how they go into places. Like, just do you capture what happened last Sunday with Sam Smucker speaking? This man and his wife go into a space where they don't know, there's, there's, it's all oral. There's no reading. They actually write and create a language. Like, it's fascinating to me. And when, even when we look at our own scriptures, we look at our English words, our English words sometimes do not capture what is actually being said with the Greek and the Hebrew. So in the Hebrew, there's this word, archeo, which is content over here. And it says, to be possessed of unfailing strength to be strong, to suffice, to be enough, to defend, ward off, to be satisfied, to be contented. So work with me here on this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be possessed of unfailing strength against money. Be strong to suffice that everything is enough. 
defend and ward off that love of money to be satisfied, to be contented, right? Like, like when you transfer that whole big meaning into that word, then you say with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I, and I'm going to take a jump because this is what I've been wondering about contentment. And when Jesus says about sacrificial living, If Jesus is enough, then I live with what's enough. Therefore, I sacrifice what the world and my culture says I should be holding as values because I have become content. And then I actually, like if we look at this word, I actually start to be strong and I have this unfailing strength and I start to ward off what the world is telling me to do because Jesus is enough. That's fascinating, right? Like, like, think about your life for a moment. Just pause. Think about the things you get discontented about. I guarantee you in those spaces, you're probably not seeing Jesus. Like, like, and then you throw in this mystery of prayer, right? Because what is prayer? You're inviting God into the spaces. You're saying, God, I'm relinquishing Control so you can be in this space. Now, I'm not talking about the prayers where we're requesting things from God like a vending machine. I'm talking about relational prayer where we sit, we talk, we also listen. Sometimes I recommend not talking at all and just sitting and listening. But, but when we think about contentment, there is this reality check. And, and I say that because so often... We don't realize that God made the world so we could be content. Again, go back to Genesis. Adam and Eve. What's the fall of man? They weren't content. Like, like, think about it, people, for a moment, please. Like, the root of sin is discontentment. Adam and Eve had it all. Like, like could you imagine Unlimited food supply. You walk out. There's the tree. You pluck it. You eat it. And you don't have to farm it. Unlimited blueberries. Right, the Garden of Eden was supposed to be a glimpse of heaven on earth. All they had to choose was be with God. How often do we say, oh God, I want to see you. I want to see you move. God walked with them. But there was that something, that peace of free will, that when we get discontented, it can move into an evil space. Now, granted, being discontented because you're hungry and you want to eat, that's a healthy discontentment. But free will, when we chase after and we void it away from God, when we don't let Jesus be at the center of our contentment, that discontentment will pull us away from Jesus every time. And see, when you see in 1 Timothy, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. See, I put this picture of Pennsylvania because there's so often I get discontented with Pennsylvania. Because Pennsylvania thinks some days should be warmer. 
It was really funny. On the days that it's warmer in Pennsylvania, I think it should be cooler. And on the days that it's cooler, I think it should be warmer. But we have four seasons. There's beautiful things that go on in Pennsylvania. The nature of Pennsylvania is beautiful. And I think being content with things is the secret. So this past week, I sat outside, and I just was decided to be content with the weather. And to soak in the fact that God is with us. That God made the earth. That it's here. And you know what? Be content that I've got food and clothing. I mean, again, homeless issues. Things like that. I mean, the list is huge out there on how people lack. And there are days, and I don't know about the rest of you, but I think I should have more. It's stupid. Like, it's so fascinating how fast... I, in my mind, can want more. But yet, I find this week, as I walk through it, and I was trying to track, when was I content and when wasn't I? I started to realize that as I kept focusing on being content, my contentment meter started to go up because I started focusing on being content with Jesus and looking at my world through the eyes, the lens of the Jesus camera. And all of a sudden, things got better. And I didn't change a thing in my life. I didn't make this massive, drastic choice. I didn't go, oh, I want these people in my life and these people. Are. No, like I just started walking through the week and looking at people and going, wow, that person's loved by God. Wow. He made man so creative that we can imagine and create crazy stuff that makes life even more interesting, like a bicycle. I'm fascinated sometimes when I sit back and look at man's creativity, and all of a sudden, the contentment started rolling in because I was letting and acknowledging more of God. And I can promise you, church, as I walked in this week, I even sat with someone later in the week, and we talked about like how to spend time with God more, how to get closer to God. And I'm like, you go through these exercises of contentment, of just sitting and being and just grabbing your favorite beverage and sitting down at a chair and looking out the window going, wow, God, I'm alive. This is pretty cool. But how often do we do the opposite and we focus and we fret and we stress on these other things? Hebrews 13.5, it says it right there, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Like, look, let's just be real. If you actually believe God's it, and you believe Jesus is the real deal, that needs to be your reality. And if you are putting your contentment in anything else but that first, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work at all. You will wrestle. You will be frustrated. Your head will get mixed up. You will be angry. You will be sad. You will go through all these emotions over your discontent. But when you start right there and you start looking at the world with Jesus as that first lens, things start to happen. Now, this world that we live in, it's messy, it's rough, it can be nasty. Humans have this ability to do such atrocities to each other 
and yet at the same time be so beautiful to each other. But it's always a choice. So I want to close with this thought about life, about contentment, about being. If you are searching for contentment, you will constantly be missing the puzzle piece until you focus on Jesus first. Now hear me out. When I say focus on Jesus, I'm not talking about doing all the right things and opening up the Bible and trying to figure out what's all the right things to do. Because God only has two requirements of us. Love us, love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Every sin comes under those two things. Every time. And if you really think about it, the heart that we should have is this content heart. And if you're wrestling right now in life because you think you need more money, Come talk to me. I used to work at a bank. I used to help people with their budgets. We can look at it. You might find out that you're discontented with your status. Because I promise you, you might be able to live on less. If you're frustrating with how your job place is, let's talk about it. Let's look at it. Pause. Maybe the frustration is because you're not treating the space like Jesus would. See, when you start talking about money and things and stuff and all that, at the end of the day, that's not what God wants from us. I'll close on this. <laughs> Learned a hard lesson when I was 27 years old and I had to file for bankruptcy. It's the most embarrassing thing, eh, probably top five most embarrassing things in my life. To go from having everything to living in your parents' basement and feeling like a loser. But it was from there that I really started to just focus as much as I could on the space I was in and ask God to use me. And I am thankful that I made that choice. Because now I'm fascinated at how much I get to be involved in with stuff and finances and things that God allows me to steward and it's not mine. So don't get discontented because I know God's using it. Like, like, and I'm sharing this with you, church, because I think sometimes we get caught up with our finances, our stuff, and our things, and we say, it's me, 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 and mine. And if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, I always joke with some of my friends when I think they have too much stuff because they've got smog's treasure behind them. And so often we like to acquire our stuff, but I want to ask the question, are you seeking contentment through that? Because if God took it all away, would you be okay? Does that scare you? Because church, that's what happens. When we keep going down that road, we miss out on the beautiful things that are going on around us. When we spend that extra money, we could have given it to the church or a nonprofit, or something like that. When you have those extra items in your house that aren't doing anything that you could probably sell off and give over here. And yeah, I'm saying it. I, I have to do it too. And I know, sometimes pastors shouldn't talk about giving in front of the church, but I am, so suck it up, buttercup. Because there's a reality, right? Like There's things that go on that, that we have these items, this stuff, 
our, our lives, our talents, our gifts. There's all these things that God wants. And church, he's a jealous God. And if you told him that you're going to give it, and then you're not giving it, he's going to come after you. Not in like this big, mean way, but you know when you're convicted, right? Convicted is God coming after you. <laughs> like, like that's what it means, right? And there's this fact that when you're content with God, that means that you're chasing after him and you're doing this stuff and life just feels better. And this week, my week was hard, but I'm cool. Like I wasn't tired out. Like I came in this morning and I was up a little earlier and I was refreshed. I was feeling good. Slept through my first alarm. That usually happens. The second alarm gets me going. My second alarm is my wife hitting me because the first alarm went off. But seriously, church, I want you to be encouraged to know that if you point your life towards Jesus, you're going to find contentment. It's work. It's a choice. But you can go there. And if you want help with this, see me. See Gary. Talk to an elder. I'd love to sit down with you and talk about where you're discontented in life. And let's look at it from a Jesus perspective. Let's talk about it. Because I know that if your leg was broken, you'd go see a doctor. And if you wouldn't go see a doctor, you got issues, and then you got to go see a therapist. Because if you're not getting your leg fixed, you know what I'm saying? But seriously, if there's things in your soul that you're wrestling with over discontentment or anything else, please drop a line, give a call, let's get together. Because I know God wants this for us because that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing. It fills our heart. Contentment in Jesus fills our heart. Let's pray. God, you're amazing. You do amazing things and you work in such amazing, magical, just miraculous. Like However you operate, it blows my mind, Lord, that you put all of us together in this room and we gather and we're looking for you. So God, I ask that you make our weeks so contented, that, Lord, that we'll grab a hold of this concept that you are enough for us. And that when we look at stuff, we keep looking at it with a Jesus lens. Lord, we thank you that your son came to this earth, was fully human, walked this planet just like us. So we know you know that what we're going through. So, Lord, this week, help us be contentment to others. Help us to bring joy to others around us, to be encouragements. Lord, if you put a name on our heart that we send that message to them or call them up or check on them, Lord, I ask that you move this week. Lord, we invite you into our space. We invite your presence, Lord, to mess with us. Lord, have fun with us this week. Let us giggle. Let us laugh that we saw you. Show us contentment like we've never seen before. And for, Lord, those that are wrestling with contentment, I ask that you just bless them in miraculous ways that they know it was from you and nothing else. And we give this to you in your awesome, holy, wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the LLMC Sermon Series. Until next time, may your faith continue to flourish and your spirit stay uplifted. Remember, you're never alone on this journey. Stay connected with LLMC and keep the spirit of community alive in your heart. Wishing you blessings and inspiration until we meet again. Take care and keep seeking the truth.